welcome to The Connected Generation. My name is Nikia Anani and I'm your host. This week in the hot seat is Jeffrey Feldberg. Who is Jeffrey? Amazing, inspiring, so inspiring. His story really touched me. He was a founder of a business which he was seeking to sell, ended up rejecting a seven-figure offer to accept later down the line a nine-figure offer. So he sold his business for nine figures. Today, he helps business owners maximize and optimize their business values. And so he really unpacked that, his thoughts on how can we maximize our values? And not only that, it was just so rich and full of wisdom and truly, truly inspiring. So tune in, enjoy, and share the love as always. God bless you. Hi, Jeffrey. Welcome to The Connected Generation. I'm really excited to have you today. Hi, Nika. It's so good to be here with you. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast today. It should be awesome. So tell us more about yourself. How did you get to where you are today, where you're an advocate for business owners, maximizing the values of their businesses when they're trying to sell their businesses? Wow, it's a great question. As I sit here today, I really, as the saying goes, stand on the shoulders of giants, which in my case was both my father and my father's brother, my uncle, who were just incredible entrepreneurs. And I grew up at a very young age, seeing the power of entrepreneurship, of how it solves problems and changes lives. And it was with that in mind that I was just a serial entrepreneur through school, through high school, through university. And when I graduated my MBA program, I started an e-learning company. And the truth, if I'm honest about it, is I had no business being in business. I was just failing forward every day, but I was passionate. I loved what I was doing. Like you read about or sometimes you see in the movies, I was living out of my parents' attic and just trying to figure things out. But the grit and passion kept me in the game long enough that I experienced success in the business. And with that success, Nikkei, something interesting happened. I got the proverbial knock at the door. It was a very smart and sophisticated buyer from a Fortune 10 company. And very long story short, he offered me a seven-figure offer to buy the business. And to my friends and family, they were jumping up and down with excitement because they saw me struggle and working out of the parents' attic. And they said, Jeffrey, yes, you've arrived, you've made it. And of course, what did I do? I turned it down. And to them, I was crazy. And you know, in a different situation, they would have been right. But in this one, and I know for your audience and your listeners, as founders, as entrepreneurs, we just get these instincts or gut feelings or intuition, whatever you'd like to call it, and it just didn't feel right. So Mm -hmm. I said no. And in saying no, what I was doing, I said yes to understanding this crazy world called mergers and acquisitions. You know, I'd heard about it. I read about it. I saw it in the movies, but I never really knew much about that. And a curiosity was within me of, okay, what is this all about? And how do you have a successful liquidity event? So for the next two years, phone calls, flying all over the place, meeting with people, I spoke to anyone and everyone from investment bankers, tax advisors, strategists, buyers, sellers. And on the seller side, very deliberately, I met with two different kinds of sellers, sellers who did really well, And I asked the question, why did you do well? You know, the old saying, if you want to change your life, ask the right questions, change Mm -hmm. the questions you're asking. So Mm -hmm. I asked the question, I listened carefully, took lots of notes. 
And then to the sellers who didn't do so well, you know, if we're honest about it, they lost. I asked why, what happened? Listened very carefully, took notes, and I made sure that I would do the opposite. So I was building a playbook all the way through this. And two years later, myself and my business partners were very fortunate. We said yes to a different buyer with a different offer, but this time it was nine figures. And to me, I didn't realize it at the time, but when that first offer came through, I was at a fork in the road. Nothing wrong with a seven-figure offer. However, it is wrong when there's a nine-figure offer around the corner that you just don't know about yet. And so it was just amazing. And people said, well, Jeffrey, what was the difference? Because it was the same company, the same people, the same service. How did you go from seven figures to nine figures? And it's one word. And one word, don't confuse. Simplicity was simple because the one word was preparation. I didn't call it this back then. I give it a fancy name now. I call it the nine-step roadmap. And Nikkei, believe me, it was not the nine-step roadmap back then. The nine-step roadmap was mainly intuition at the time. But it was preparing for an eventual liquidity event. And it was the preparation. That's what I saw firsthand that drove enterprise value. And so quite openly, that's where the story should have ended. And what happened, though, was in the entrepreneurial community, it's a small community. We all talk to each other and we're there to help each other in whatever way we can. And ultimately, what happened was people would reach out. Jeffrey, I heard what you did. Can you help me? Can you give me some suggestions? What are some strategies? And when I walked away from my liquidity event, I walked away, it was bittersweet because on the one hand, obviously just a terrific outcome for myself, my partners, the team. But at the same time, there was a moment in time where a buyer tried to take advantage of the situation. And I was really sympathetic to any entrepreneur or business founder who reached out and asked for help. And so that's what happened. Myself and my business partner, we ended up coaching business owners of what they needed to do. We took our playbook, updated it, whatever worked, we made better. What didn't work, we reverse engineered. And we were doing that. But two years ago, I had a conversation. It was a life-changing conversation with my business partner. And I said to him, we both made a commitment to each other that in whatever way we could, we would at scale change as many lives as we can. And while we're doing that, we're doing it one life at a time. But come on, we're smart guys. We had an e-learning company. We were fortunate. We did millions of enrollments. Let's make a difference here. And so over the next two years, that's exactly what we did. We now call it the Deep Wealth Experience with a nine-step roadmap. And the Deep Wealth Experience, it's comprised of three distinct areas. So the first area, I'm going to get a little geeky here with you, Nikkei, (laughs) with a term. It's called asynchronous learning. So it means unlike a phone call or a Zoom call, whatever it may be, your own time, your own convenience from your phone, your laptop, your computer, you get to access the exact nine-step roadmap to learn the strategies, learn the tactics on your time. The second part, it's a mastermind group. This is where you're in with other successful business owners who are not your competition. And like yourself, they're looking to have a liquidity event. And so there you're learning from them. And I don't know about you, Nikkei, some of my best insights have come from other industries, from business owners sharing their experiences and a light bulb goes off. Oh, wait a minute, I can do this in my industry and I'll just adopt it to do that. So you have a very rich environment of learning and networking and best practices. And then the third component, it's myself and my business partner. We're the live success coach. And our philosophy is that the only silly question is the one that never gets asked. 
So those are the three components to the Deep Wealth experience and very excited that we're able to be out there and have the opportunity to really help business owners, number one, protect themselves, number two, come out with a blueprint where they can optimize value, and then number three, and as important, probably the most important, you have the certainty to know that you're going to capture the maximum value in your liquidity event. Because when you think about it, for most business owners, a liquidity event, it's the single largest, most important business transaction of your life. Mm-hmm. So do you want to believe something and not know it? Or do you want to know it and have that certainty? And that's what we focus on. That's just absolutely incredible. Even just going from projecting a seven-figure offer to accepting a nine-figure offer and coming up with your nine-step plan, essentially. And you mentioned that along this journey, you came up with, you identified businesses that did things well in terms of maximizing their value, as well as those that didn't do things well. What were the common features of those that did well and the common mistakes that didn't do so well in terms of valuation? It's a terrific question. And there's a saying that a coin has two sides. So I'll share the one side and then the opposite is true for the other side. So all you business owners out there, I have a very simple question. It's a yes or no. I don't want any ums or buts or this or that. It's just a yes or no. And the question is this, does your business run without you? I'll say it one more time. Does your business run without you? <laughs> and Nikkei, you're shaking your head. No. And most of my communities, no. I was in the same camp. I was in the same camp and I stumbled on this a little late in my process, but I eventually got that right. And when your business doesn't run without you, two things are happening. Any future investor or buyer, and by the way, when I use the word liquidity event, maybe it's having a full exit. Perhaps Mm -hmm. you're looking to take some chips off the table and bring in an outside investor, or maybe you're simply raising capital to help take your business to the next level. So to me, the term liquidity event covers Mm -hmm. all those scenarios. And so for a buyer or an investor who has many, many choices in terms of a business to either invest in or to have some kind of liquidity event with, it's simple. They want to buy a business or invest in a business where after the owner is gone and off into the sunset, no longer there, that that business is going to be around, not only be around, but continue to consistently perform. And I know for your audience, they're probably saying to themselves, well, Jeffrey, wait a minute. When I have my liquidity event, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be there. And my response is, sure you will. Until you get the funds in the bank, life changes. Or have you thought about the fact that maybe the buyer doesn't want you there for any number of reasons? Mm -hmm. So when your business doesn't run on its own, you're either not going to have a liquidity event at all, or worse of all, The buyer may say, well, tell you what, Nikkei, I'm going to purchase your business, but because it doesn't run without you, I have to put a significant discount on your enterprise value because there's a big risk factor in me. And I have to take that risk into account. I need to protect myself. So it's a huge discount. And why would you want to do that? Why would you want to take your hard earned money, leave it on the table or put it in your buyer's pocket when it's yours to begin with, when you can make a simple change and put a management team to run the business. And here's the other thing. When your business runs without you, something magical happens. You get your time back. And with your time that you get back, you now get the lifestyle that you want. But more importantly, you started your business 
to solve a painful problem. And your passion is to solve that problem. You did it so well that you're successful today. Well, when you get your time back, you can now find other painful problems that you can take your business into the next century, into the next age, into the next opportunity by solving that painful problem. And if you do it right, you create a market disruption. And that market disruption secures your future and it catapults the value of your business. So now you have a thriving business that's profitable. So you tell me, keep a thriving and profitable business forever or sell it tomorrow. Both incredible choices. You choose. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that was an incredible question. Does your business run without you? That's one that's reverberating, I'm sure, through a lot of the listeners. And you've mentioned something that's just so at the heart of the philosophy. And it's so important for us to have a conversation on. And that's the multi-dimensional nature of abundance. It's not just about abundance of money. It's also about time. Like you said, time freedom. A lot of the time we might have a lot of money, but not have much time or have much energy. Then focus, like you said, on pushing that business to be positioned to move ahead for the next century or even beyond. That's really, really powerful. So I'm just intrigued in terms of like, COVID 2020, 2021, how has COVID affected the M&A market? For those businesses that are thinking, I want to sell my business in the next two to three years, is this still a good time to think about that? What a great question. It's a long-winded answer, but I'll summarize as follows. It really depends on the industry that you're in. And so when the coronavirus first came on the scene, at Deep Wealth, we had our thesis. Everyone thought that we were crazy. But what we said was, if you're prepared, and that's a huge if, and we can talk about that, but if you're prepared, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity where you can have a liquidity event and have a higher enterprise value than you would get in normal times. And people said, you're nuts, you're crazy, not going to happen. But we said, think about it. Let's just make it really simple. You know, any market you have supply and you have demand. The higher the demand, the higher the price, or in this case, the higher the enterprise value. So what the coronavirus did, it took out many businesses that otherwise would have been in the market for a liquidity event. So now your supply has gone down. And same thing on the buyer side, it did take out a number of buyers, but the buyers that it took out, I would say weren't the ones that had deep roots in the community. They were here today, gone tomorrow. It was just something waiting to happen. But the buyers that were remaining, those were the tried and true buyers. They've been around for many, many years, decades in a number of instances. And here's the thing with many of these buyers, particularly if they're private equity, they have money or capital from investors, and it's a use it or lose it scenario. So you have all these different buyers that if they don't find companies to invest in, they're going to have to return that money to the investors. Well, it's not happening. So you have an increased demand to buy fewer businesses. And as a result, what's happened is enterprise value is through the roof. And if you look at the latest statistics, it was back in April or so of, of this year where the volume of M&A was actually higher than when it was before the pandemic came about. So there are a number of business owners and businesses who are having a liquidity event of their lifetime. And it goes back to what we say at Deep Wealth, you need to be prepared. And so Nikki, I'm gonna ask you a little bit of a loaded question, but here's the question. 
when it comes to your business and your liquidity event, are you prepared to trade in your health, your money, and your time to the negative? No. No, it's another yes or no when you answered no. And, and that's actually, <laughs> in this case, no for that question is that's the right answer. But that's exactly what business owners do. I can't tell you how many times I hear a business owner say, Jeffrey, you have a great story. You seem like a nice guy. And yeah, that's all good with this nine-step roadmap. But you know what? When I decide I'm going to sell the business, you know, maybe a few months before I'll start to prepare. Wrong answer. And why that's the wrong answer. And whether you're raising capital or having a full exit or something in between, it's really the same because it's all about enterprise value. A liquidity event, congratulations, it's a full-time job. But here's the thing. It's a full-time job while you're running your business. And oh, by the way, while you're running your business and you're going through a liquidity event, you've given your buyer projections of how your business is going to do, not just five years from now, but in the months ahead. So you better believe that your buyer is watching very carefully how your business is performing. And actually, if they're open about it, they're kind of hoping that you miss the mark because, well, depending on how much you miss the mark, it'll either kill the deal or it'll lower your enterprise value. So you trade in your health because while you're running the business, you have these impossible demands to get reports, to get through diligence. You're not going to be able to do it. Your team is not going to be able to do it. So you're stressed about this. You're having sleepless nights. So you're trading your health and now you're trading your time and your money because you end up hiring very expensive outside consultants who are only happy to help you, but wow, you're paying the price for that. So take that scenario, Nikkei. And now compare that to you're taking your time to do the preparation on your time at your convenience with your team. You and your team are learning your business and your industry. And believe me, you're going to learn things that you didn't even think were there, but you're going to learn because effectively preparation, it'll do two things for you. Number one, it'll find those hidden skeletons in the closet. You find the skeletons, you remove them. You show up with a clean slate to your investment banker and to your future buyer, and you take away the excuse for any kind of earnout or a higher escrow. And the second thing that you do, which catapults enterprise value, is you discover what we call the hidden Rembrandts in the closet. Every business is world-class in at least one area, maybe more. Your preparation has you find those hidden Rembrandts, so they're no longer hidden, You take them to the marketplace, you take them to your customers, you take them to your prospective customers, and you take them to the buyer of why you're so good at what you do and how you solve this one problem in a world-class manner. And it drives the valuation through the roof and it really makes a difference. So preparation is where you want to be. And Nikkei, with your family office background and your accounting background, you'll appreciate this other point, taxes. You know, it's not how much get in a liquidity event, it's how much you keep. And you need time to put the right tax planning and strategies in place to make a difference. And oftentimes, it's at least a year that you need to maximize those savings. So for all those reasons, preparation should be done. Now, brace yourself. It should be done ideally two years before or more a liquidity event. The more time you take, the higher your enterprise value and you create a win-win. Wow, wow, wow. You've really spoken a lot about preparation. A lot of what was kind of ringing in my head and just thinking about what a number of my clients or my community would say is, oh, this preparation, it sounds quite time consuming. Does this get in the way of doing business? 
or even the sale process, like you said, due diligence and what have you, that sounds time consuming in itself and sounds like a bit of a distraction from business. What are your thoughts on that? It's not intuitive. It's actually the opposite because you're right. On paper, it sounds like, well, wait a minute, all this preparation that we're doing, it's going to take away from the business. And when you do it on your time and your convenience, it's not the case. When you're doing that during a liquidity event, you're absolutely right. For all those things that I mentioned earlier, that's where you don't want to be. Here's the thing. When you do it in advance, it's on your time, at your schedule, it's you and the key employees, your key management at the company, you're doing a divide and conquer, and you're doing this along the way. But you can't help from what you learn, make the business better. So you're going to find your weak spots, your blind spots, and you're going to correct them. Maybe you find that relative to the marketplace, you're undercharging. All these years, you never knew. Mm. Well, now you start charging some more. Maybe you change your business model, which is one of the things that we talk about in the nine-step model. This is our second step, X factors to insanely increase the value of your business. So Nikkei, if I told you that your preparation is really the launch pad to increase revenues and profits done at your time, at your convenience, that's not going to break the bank. I suspect that you and your community would have a very different viewpoint of it. I'm reminded of in my e-learning company, I had this fellow who headed up IT and he said, Jeffrey, you can pay me now or you can pay me later, but you're always going to pay. And so wouldn't you rather pay on your own time, your own terms and at your convenience? That's what preparation does. And it puts you so much further ahead. I'll share two statistics with you. Hmm. Depending on who you speak to, all the businesses that are in the market right now to have a liquidity event, 90% of them will fail. So think about that. Out of 10 businesses, only one will succeed. Wow. And of the one that will succeed, here's the second statistic. Again, depending on who you speak to, the deal value, anywhere from 50% to over 100% of the deal value is left on the deal table, which is a polite way of saying that your hard-earned money, you're leaving behind, you're putting it in your future buyer's pocket. One quick story. I've had the privilege of having you on my podcast, a my business podcast. Mm-hmm. And Nikkei, on the podcast, I have investment bankers who come on and they all share the same story, just different numbers. In this one particular case, an investment banker came on and said, Jeffrey, we're running an auction for a business right now. And that's a page out of our book. We, we recommend an auction. So this one business had all these different buyers bid at the same time for the business. The lowest bid was $11 million. The highest bid was $70 million. But here's the question. How many business owners would take the $11 million offer, think they hit it out of the park, did so well, not realizing that they're leaving $59 million of their hard-earned money in the buyer's pocket? If there ever was a story for deep wealth, that's the story. It's incredible. And so now I'm sold on the importance of preparation. But my question is, how long does preparation take? Well, let's put that into context. And it really depends on what makes the most sense for you. If you weren't prepared, if you signed up today for a liquidity event and you're going to make mistake after mistake after mistake without the preparation, but if you did that, A typical liquidity event from start to finish takes nine months. But again, that's just crazy timelines and and pressure. Mm. So you decide how long you want that to take. 
Maybe it's going to take you three months. Maybe it'll take you six months. Maybe you say, you know what? I want to do this at a leisurely pace. Let's do this over the next 12 months and we'll just make it attainable and accessible and it's not going to be stressful. You make that decision. But here's the thing. It's like momentum. Momentum takes a lot of time and energy to build up. And once it's built up, though, you just let it run and you get the benefit of that. When you're prepared, that preparation, it keeps on giving and giving and giving. And as long as you adhere to that, you get the benefit of that. So whether it takes you three months or nine months or 12 months and you make the call on that, this is the question for you. Is that worth the time to capture that extra and that one story, that extra $59 million? Is it worth six months or a year of your time to make sure that you're getting the maximum enterprise value for your business? Really, really fascinating. And I think a lot of our conversation has been focused on quantitative value, maximizing enterprise value. But, you know, family business owners tend to have a lot of sentimental value as well in their businesses and in their assets and will often look beyond just Excel analysis and often alignment of values and vision is as important reputation as important than the highest bidder. So how do you help business owners in kind of gaining alignment with quantitative factors? For sure. Well, listen, a liquidity event, it's both an art and a science. Let's talk about the art side of not even a liquidity event, but the art side of a business. And I'm going to ask you another loaded question. I'm full of loaded questions today, but you know what they say, you never ask a question that you don't know the answer to. The question, Nikkei, for you is this, you're the current generation running a business and you have every intent to hand over the business to the next generation. Are you just going to let that happen by chance and whatever happens, happens, or do you want to do whatever you can possibly do for the highest likelihood of success to make sure that there's a business to actually hand over? Where are you on that with my loaded question there for you? Definitely the latter. <laughs> exactly. And so one of the things that we focus on in the Deep Wealth Experience, it's all about the mindset because the mindset is everything, both in running the business in addition to the liquidity event. The mindset of, okay, I know what my goals are. Here is a detailed list of what my goals are. I want to have a business that's thriving and profitable. I want to have a business that's competitive. I want to have a business that's going to be here year in, year out. When my time comes to hand over the business, I really want to have a business that is in the best shape it's ever been in its entire history. So that's what we want. And we can put in there what we don't want, the no-fly zones, as I call them. So you come up with a list of your deal points of what you want and your no-fly zones. And now that gives you two things. You can be completely transparent with everyone that you speak to in the family and in the business. Here's what we're doing. Here's what we're not doing to put that out there. And you can now begin to focus on, well, what do I need to do to make sure that the business is going to be here one generation to the next? And not only is it going to be here, but is very relevant. And this is where, back to the original question, does your business run without you? And the answer should be, yes, it does, because mm. that's where you want to find another area, another target, another marketplace. Or as I like to say, you want to put yourself out of business so you can put yourself back in business in the future. And that's exactly what we did at Embinet. Myself and my business partners, we asked, how do we put ourselves out of business? And there's one question that I'd love to ask, and I'll share it with your audience. The one question to ask your customers, what keeps you up at night on the business side? 
don't talk to me about what keeps you up at night with the services that maybe I'm providing you today. We can talk about that. But this conversation is, as a business in general, maybe something that has nothing to do with my business and how I'm servicing you. What's keeping you up at night? Because what you're going to hear is a problem. Now, some of the problems that you hear, they're not going to resonate with you, but there will be a problem that does resonate with you. So I'll give you a quick example, a very quick story. My e-learning company, when we first started, we did hosting and technical support and course development for universities. Now, today it sounds really basic and simple, but back in the day, the internet was still considered a fad and no one really knew what was going on. So this was a life-changing opportunity for universities. And I'll never forget the day I was speaking to a dean of a business school. His name was John. And I said, John, how are you doing? Great to speak to you today. What's keeping you up at night? And he said, Jeffrey, I'm glad you asked me that because I have a board meeting and here's the problem that I'm having. Our class enrollments are going down. You have this thing called the internet. So my competition is coming in through the internet. They're stealing my business away. My competition got into video conferencing. Some of my competition has even set up shop locally. So everywhere I turn, I'm just being bombarded by my competition and I'm having lower class enrollments. Can you help me with that? Now, Nikkei, I didn't do marketing. We were a technical company. We were high tech. We weren't marketing. Had no idea what that was. And in my naivete, I said, John, no problem. Give me two or three weeks. I'll get you an answer. Well, the two or three weeks turned into two years. And why it turned into two years was I could not find a solution that really could check the boxes for the needs of a university with a very high reputation and ranking that just didn't want to deal with anybody. And that's when I said, out of necessity, I'm going to do this. I'm going to build all these capabilities in-house. It was a risk. By that point, the company was profitable. So we took all the profits, plowed it back into this new division. We'll call it Embanet 2. And it was, you know, touch and go for a little while. But long story short, Embanet 2 put Embanet 1 out of business. Embanet 2 became so large that it made Embanet 1 look like a rounding error. And Embanet 2 is what caused the enterprise value to catapult. It went through the roof. Now, we weren't a family business. We had no intention for the next generation to take it over at that point in time. So it was a little bit different. But if we were a family business, we would have handed off the reins to the next generation with a business that created a market disruption, mm. was a leader in its space, and had a very, very bright future ahead for itself. That's incredible. I just guess, like, so for listeners that are really thinking about setting their business, what's the first simple step they can take at this point? Here's the thing. As business owners, we actually have the answers. What we don't have are the questions to ask. If we knew the questions, we could just answer it, but we don't. And that's why we make the mistakes. So the first thing a business owner should do is make the commitment, not just with the business owner, but with the family, and then with the key managers, the key employees. Forget about even selling the business. We are just going to commit to be a world-class business. And we're going to commit that we're going to do that through preparation mm -hmm. because we have a legacy that we want to continue. And maybe down the road, if we decide not to have that legacy and go in a different direction, that's okay because when you're prepared, that's the intersection of opportunity, knocking at the door, you're ready to go and, and you're ready to do that. So it's making the commitment to preparation to find out where your business is weak in, to look at how you can improve things, to find that 
market disruption that you can create. Obviously, this is you know, okay. Just for your listeners, I'm putting my sales and marketing hat on here, so I'm warning you. If you don't want to spend the years of time and the gazillions of dollars to you know figure this out as you go along, would love to have a conversation with you about the nine-step roadmap at Deep Wealth and how we can help you with that. I would say educate yourself. Speak to other people in the community who have sold their businesses, what worked, what didn't work, and make the commitment that you're going to begin the process of putting in a preparation plan that's going to help you each and every day. That's incredible. Incredible. How can anyone reach you, Jeffrey? How can they get a hold of you? Uh, terrific. Well, you can do one of a few things. You can come to the website, Deep Wealth, D-E-E-P-W-E-A-L-T-H.com. And on there, you'll read all about us. And there's a contact us. At the same time, you can find me on LinkedIn, Jeffrey Feldberg, F like Franklin, E-L, D like Daniel, B like Bravo, E-R-G. And would welcome any questions. I have conversations all day long. I'm privileged and so grateful that I speak to business owners all day long and would welcome any questions, insights, or thoughts that you have. Incredible. Thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. Well, Nikkei, thank you so much. It's been a true honor and privilege to be part of your podcast and your community today. Awesome. What I really loved about that episode is that Jeffrey has lived through this. <laughs> there are many people in the market, investment bankers and what have you. I love you. I love you all. <laughs> I don't hate you. But haven't necessarily gone through this journey of selling your business, preparing your business, and then the after selling. What's next? What's next with my life? What's next with all the money in the bank and what have you? So he comes at this conversation with deep, deep empathy, which I think is so important and a, a reference point, right? But what I also loved about that conversation was there was a revealing. And that revealing was when Jeffrey asked, Would you trade in your time, your energy, your health for money? And for a lot of us, we haven't actually explicitly thought about that question. Abundance is beyond money in the pocket. Abundance is also time, energy, health, and all that, right? Actually, to then maximize money in the pocket, we have to take into consideration all the other elements of abundance. That was super amazing. So I'd encourage you to reach out to Jeffrey to learn. He's got a nine-step plan. And yes, you can reach him on his website and through. Thank you for tuning in as always. Take good care and God bless you.